Hey everybody, it's not worth winning if you can't win big. I'm Mike, that's Tommy. How's it going? That's Kevin. I have strange deja vu. Really? Yeah. Because you're thinking of the lost episode. Yeah. So, we don't talk about that anymore. We're past that. Oh, we are? I think so. Okay. Tommy, what's our topic today? This is uh, basically a part two in our uh, kind of Hawks talk. Last time we talked about uh, Coach Riley. This is going to be about the Hawks, the culture, the team, a dynasty, really. Yes, that is correct. And I guess we'll talk about the Lost Episode one last time. The Lost Episode was like a combination of the last two episodes. So you're really you're getting like a bonus, bonus content, really, from my screw-up. So we have the Hawks, and they're winning like 19 years in a row, plus another... Two before Gordon misses the penalty shot, hits the penalty shot. Any, let's just get into it. Any cheating going on? I think uh, we've kind of touched on this. They, I think the Hawks do what they can to get the best players. Do in, whatever they can. Yeah. And um, but also I think uh, they like in the beginning it was probably just like Coach Riley just did his thing and. And then teams probably started to adapt, and he was able to just get all the best players. Like I, I bet you he didn't even have to, to cheat really that much because people wanted to go play for him. I mean, once he wins like five in six years or something like that, everyone wants to play for the Hawks. Do you think it got to a point where other teams started to cheat, so then Riley was forced to cheat? You know, a lot of, oh. you know. That's a good point. Like I wonder basketball. everybody just starts cheating mm-hmm. because they kind of have to, to to keep pace. Yeah, everyone tries to keep pace with the Hawks, so they're tr- like the Flames are trying to get players to live in their district. Probably. So, so then that forces Riley's hand, and he's just better has. at cheating. Yeah. Or maybe he's so good he doesn't have to cheat at this point. He just built that, thing, built the program where people just come at him. So, yeah, I think other teams would have to cheat because you figure this a lot of we establish a lot of like interest in this, a lot of media coverage. Mm-hmm. So if the Hawks are just dominating, then you know the Flames fans are going to be upset. So the Flames are gonna feel that pressure to come in, and they're they're gonna have to cheat at some point. Those boosters, they're probably like bringing in a big. Co- they probably like run through coaches like crazy, like two years, and they, they're done just because you know they're. They're anxious and they get fed up with losing, and for some reason they they think that they can win, but they just can't. They bring in all sorts of like washed up NHL former NHL coaches and stuff to coach, try to try to get an edge. Just mm-hmm. doesn't work. All right. Now, does this winning at all cost attitude turn any parents off on this? Because you have this very like serious thing, but they're only like ten year old kids. Isn't it supposed to be about like having fun and making friends? I think inevitably it would. You know, some parents would get rubbed the wrong way, um, but I think most of them kind of understand what they're signing up for, um, what they're sending their kid to. You know, they 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 get it. You know, they know that he's going to be a hard ass, but you know, they think that's the best way to get the best out of their kid. Yeah, it's like if, if you send a kid to go play for Bob Knight, you know what he's exactly. going to do, but you know it. He's, He's going to pop you in the chin every now and then or choke you out or, you know. Some kids need that. Um, but I think as we discussed later, earlier episodes, when we did our profile of Adam Banks, and we'll make sure to link back to that in the show notes. Okay. <laughs> when I say we, I mean Mike. Anyway, um, we talked about maybe a, a, like his, his dad potentially not really being there all the time. 
And so I think a, lo- a lot of the Hawks players might come from similar backgrounds and, you know, very like white collar. That's what it seems to me where maybe the parents are, you know, kind of just focused on, you know, getting, achieving that lifestyle and they aren't able to, you know, kind of really understand what's fully going on with the Hawks. They just know that this is a team that wins and all the kids seem to want to play for the Hawks. So sure, let him play for the Hawks. He's going to win. He's going to have fun because like winning is, in- is important. I can see. Uh, moms having a big problem. Oh, that's with good. It. That's a good you point. Know, the dads are cool with it because you know they had a hard ass coach growing up. But I bet the moms are very apprehensive and you know don't think it's right that he's so mean to their boys and stuff like that. So I could see moms being a big issue for Riley. Okay. Do you think Riley is like a, a charmer though? Like a he, he seems know. like I mean Maybe. yeah he seems like a little bit sleazy, but he might be able to work a living room. Yeah, I think so. I still think there could be a potential issue with moms, you know, just with him kind of beating their ki- those kids down, you know. Yeah, especially, you know, if a kid comes home and he's, you know, super tired or especially if he's like struggling in school because he's, you know, stressed out about the hockey team, something can happen. Yeah, but how do we get over this? How do we, like... The kid moves on. He, he he's, You know, he becomes 12 and he moves on. Or, you know? No, but the moms, you figure that at some point the moms would... Say that enough is enough and move the kid. So I think you got to go back to Jack Riley charming him or something. Like how does against Jack Riley? How does Jack Riley keep the moms in line, or is it just the dads that are keeping the moms? Well, in line? it's also a combination of the kids, not you know, if their mom's like, all right, I'm gonna, you know, you're gonna be a flame now or whatever. The kid is is gonna fight, you know, tooth and nail to stay a hawk okay. because all his little hawks are friends. You know, all his little all the friends, friends are hawks. All his little friends are hawks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So, obviously, a lot of history in the hawks. You got Gordon, who could have made the pros if he like wanted enough or whatever Jack mm-hmm. Riley said. Uh, Basil McCray came out of the league. So, we know that pros come out of this league. Is there any pressure on the kids to put up these stats? And is there like strife within this team? I think there's definitely pressure. You see Banks, he carries that Hawks attitude into D2 where he's, like, looking for scouts in the stands. Oh, yeah. And I think that's probably something that, like, Jack Riley and the Hawks kind of indoctrinated into him. Like, you you know, if you want to go play in the NHL, you're playing for the Hawks, and this is the system that you need to be in. And so I think there's definitely a lot of pressure that way. It's. I mean, it. I think it also is one of the things that makes them so good is it's so ultra-competitive that, you know, these kids – you know, they have to be the best in order to, you know, get ice time. So. But then you see, like, McGill is watching Banks score, I don't know, nine on the Ducks. And he's like, oh, Banks is, like, our leading scorer. Like, does he, is he happy for Banks? Or is he like, oh, those could have been my goals. Those should be my, my goals. I got to make a junior team. I mean, naturally, there's going to be some, some, some jealousies, some issues there. I mean, that happens on every team across every sport especially at that age, you know, where every kid, uh, and especially because up to that point, I I mean, I don't specifically know how it works, but most leagues, you know, you're like guaranteed a certain amount of minutes or, you know, you get this quarter or whatever. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, part of the league rules that every kid gets a certain amount of, at least a certain amount of time. So maybe they're, they're an age and in the league now where it's not that way. So maybe, you know, there's some, some hurt feelings and and what have you, but I mean, deal with it. 
I, I can imagine also it's because I think we've established the Hawks do go after the best players. And so if you get like these eight year olds who are obviously the best on every single one of their like younger teams, now they're all on the Hawks. And so they're used to being, you know, the guy and they can't be. And so I think it's really a, a great coaching job by, by Coach Riley, just kind of getting all these egos to, you know, to mesh to become, what was it, 19 championships in a row? Like that's unheard of. Let, let me let me ask you a question. Okay. Uh, would you rather be the, I'll say the sixth best player on the Hawks or the number one on a middling team in that league? The Cardinals. Yeah. Oh, I take the Hawks. Really? Yeah, for sure. I want to win, and you're you're going up against guys that are better than you, so you're going to get better. Like if I'm on the Cardinals and I'm just dominating the stupid kids, what's the point? I'm not getting better. I'm trying to make the NHL if I'm going to the Hawks. So would ten year old Mike be able to make that decision? Ten year old Mike was a strange child. <laughs> <laughs> was <laughs> is still, but uh, yeah. I mean, like I always wanted to win, so. Winning was always number one for me, at least like in my revisionist history. I don't, like, I don't know. I don't know. Like I don't remember much when I was like fifteen, let alone ten. So, but okay. So we mentioned banks, and we talked last episode about Jack Riley had to know he was out of district, or maybe he didn't know, and kind of where Hans kind of slid the line and stuff like that. Do the other Hawks know that Banks is out of district? I don't think that's something they really care about or really think about, you know, I mean, especially at that age, I, I, I just don't think that ever really crosses their mind or, you know, their consciousness, but unless it's like, wow, Adam certainly does live far away from <laughs> <Yeah>. us. <laughs> we got to take two trains to get to his house. Okay. So he's just on the team. So as long as he's on the team, he's part of the Hawks. Yeah. But then he goes to the ducks and they turn on him instantly. Yeah. That's a kind of a dick move on their part. I mean, we've, we've talked about that quite a few times, but. I think they're just a bunch of little piss ants. Yeah, it is. It is crazy. And a guy like um, Larson, who is you know still considers Banks his friend, you know he's almost like the outsider for not wanting to hurt Banks. Mm-hmm. And so it's definitely kind of it's just that weird Hawks mentality. It's like they turn on him right away. Yeah, and I think we might have touched on this in earlier episodes, but I mean that might be kind of Riley's doing. You know, kind of getting in their heads that you know. Banks is the enemy. So that oh, might be, yeah. you know. I bet you as soon as like he leaves Ducksworth office and they go to practice at night, he's like, okay, Banks isn't here anymore. And he probably just like throws him under the bus and just like tears him down and, and makes the Hawks hate him. him. Yeah. He probably says he didn't want to be a Hawk. Okay. Yeah. You know, he wanted to go to that pansy team, the D5 or whatever. Okay. But yeah, dick move on the the Hawks kids parts for, you know, being such dicks to, to Banksy. So was it only McGill? I mean, Larson, Larson, when he, when Banks first switched, Larson's against him. Like they see him at the hockey game, and he's he's mad at like Banks, and he's with McGill. So is it only McGill and Larson and Riley, or is it just everybody? I think this, and this also might tie into our our earlier conversation about jealousy and stuff. Maybe they just didn't like Banks. You okay. know, when he was a part of the team, you know. Yeah, I mean, they... his best player, and I was like, McGill's probably like, oh, now it's my time to shine. Exactly. So maybe he, they just never really liked him that much to begin with. Okay, I can see that. Yeah, but Banks doesn't seem like he's like an unlikable guy. I mean, he doesn't seem like he's necessarily too loud or anything. He doesn't seem like he's the heart and soul of a team, but he's not loud and like, bra- he's not a braggart. 
And so it's like you don't dislike him because of his personality, I don't think. So that plays into it. I think he's got a little, you know, a little cockiness in him, a little, you know, star mentality. I think he's got a little bit of that, if not a lot of it. I could see him getting frustrated when things don't go well. Yeah. Yeah. But. Especially if he's on the Ducks when, you know, he's used to scoring nine goals a game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we go to that last game and McGill throws the cheap shot on Banks. Although, like, it was kind of a cheap shot, but Banks was throwing a way worse than cheap shot on Charlie in the first game when he hit him from behind. But um, what do the parents think about McGill's shot on Banks, especially with Mr. Banks? In the Hawks crowd. Wearing a Hawks jacket still. Yeah. So the Hawks parents? Yes. I don't know. I, I think, I think, like I said, I think the moms are pissed. Oh, yeah. The <laughs> moms the dads are. dads are like, yeah. You know? <laughs> the dads are definitely like, they drink before and after every game. And during, too, probably. They got their, their flasks. Yeah. Okay. All right. One thing I forgot to mention. So when... Banks is first, like, pulled over to the bench. Like, that's right before a game. And you got to assume he's got to leave that game. So, like, what's the reaction by the Hawks when Banks leaves, like, literally during warm-ups of a game? Does Riley say anything to them? Or is he just like, oh, Banks Banks is gone. We're not playing with Banks anymore. Maybe made up a story, like, Banks is sick. Because he probably, at that point, still thought that they were going to get Banks back. So he's probably like, oh, Banks had a family emergency. Yeah, Banks and he can't, like, show here. any panic to his team. Yeah. Like, oh, crap, our best player might be gone for the season. You know, it's got to be, yeah, like like Kevin said, you know, hey, Banks can't play this game, but, you know, I want I want you to step up. I want you to step up. This is your time to shine, you know. All right, all right. So they beat the Ducks 17 to nothing. Any overkill in that first game? Like, are the moms pissed that, like, they're running up the score, basically? I don't know, because Riley says they have they had a lousy third period, so maybe they they th- thought that they were like you know, f- you know, foot off the accelerator a little bit. So what was the score going in the third today? Well, it's weird because like the score kind of changes because I believe it was eight. It was like four nothing, like with eight minutes left in the first, and they played twelve minute periods. I believe it was eight to nothing at the like first intermission, and then at a certain point. It it goes from like eleven, and then be, and then Gordon's like talking to the team, but then they go back to the ice and it says still the second period and I think it says like fourteen or something like that. So there's some like I think eight in the first. How are they split up the other nine? It's tough to determine. It's safe to say they only had like three in the third period, perhaps they might have. Yeah, and so I think. I think there are probably moms who are going to get upset about it no matter what, even if they were playing, like, only three players out there. Because some moms are like that. Like, you'll have bullying cases when, like, coaches are, like, punting on third down. It's it's ridiculous. So, yeah, there are going to be moms that get upset. But, you know, maybe the Hawks moms are kind of a different breed. Yeah, I, I think maybe the Hawks moms in that sense don't really get upset because, I mean... They're watching their kids stomp on, you know, <laughs> yeah. so I, I, so I don't think that really affects them all that much, but I mean, maybe, maybe they're like, oh, they should let those other nice boys play. <laughs> <laughs> the grandmas. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If, if the tables are turned though, and if a team was stomping the Hawks, so I bet you they're, they, they're up in arms. Oh yeah. Boy. They're like going to their trucks and grabbing their guns. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So D5 becomes the Ducks. The Ducks make this run. 
and now the Hawks are playing the Ducks in the championship game. What do the Hawks think about these new look Ducks, and what is their kind of react? What's their kind of mindset heading into the state championship game? I think they might be overconfident. I really do. Yep. I think that's what got them. That's what I was gonna say. I think that they were probably a little too cocky, you know, especially from the beatdown earlier in the season. Yeah, they were going for what number twenty in a row, and so like they knew that was important. But they probably thought we're gonna coast through this. Like we're like this is no challenge at all. We beat them seventeen nothing. Even if they score fifteen goals, we're still gonna win by two. And either that or they were hyper hyper nervous because Riley had been harping on them all. Mm-hmm. You know, all I guess since the hawk or since the ducks kind of turned it around he was harping on them and kind of getting in their heads that you know we have to win this especially because it's against gordon so riley is you know hypersensitive to the fact that his team has to win this year and can't lose to bombay so okay did the better team win that game better no (laughs) (laughs) okay that's true i mean What's Carp doing on a championship team? Yeah, exactly. That's a good what's, point. What's Tammy and Tommy Duncan doing? They wouldn't even sniff like the Hawks. Yeah. They'd be their equipment managers. I mean, they had a big goal though. So I mean, I guess that would you could chalk it up to Bombay's coaching for drawing up that weird play. But it was a perfect storm, really. I mean, okay. So in that first game, they kind of bullied the Ducks. They're hitting them. They're knocking Jesse's helmet off after the first goal. Yeah, they're assholes for sure. And then. They obviously, they're probably assuming they're going to do the same thing then. And then there's that moment where Fulton dumps McGill over the boards. Does that wake the Hawks up at all to realize, okay, we can't just push them around anymore? I think Fulton, like, I think we're underscoring the addition of Fulton to the Ducks because everyone knows about Fulton. He's like the neighborhood kid. And there's all these like rumors. Oh, he only plays football. He's got all these scholarships. And he's like very scary individual. He eats hearts for breakfast. Yes, exactly. And so they're probably intimidated from it. And McGill seems like he might be their enforcer. And Fulton like slaps him away like it's nothing. Just shoves him over the boards. And so maybe that gets into the Hawks' heads too. Like maybe they kind of are always looking over the shoulder. They're passing too quickly now and because they think Fulton's coming for him. That's a good point because even before he was on the Ducks, Fulton was throwing Banks and McGill and Larson around when that when Carp finds like this Sports Illustrated swimsuit edition, stuff like that. <laughs> so they know Fulton. Fulton's already in their heads before he even becomes a Duck. So now how does the final game affect those Hawks kids? Because you just lost, basically you had this 19-year-old streak and you were the team that lost it. That might be tell. I bet you a couple of them quit hockey. Yeah. I, Larson, I think he's done with hockey. Especially. Really? Yeah. I mean, the way that McGill takes out Banks, and he's very he's the one, you know, he goes over to Banks. He's like, what did you do? And McGill says, my job. And it's very, you know, dramatic. <laughs> my job. Yeah. So I think Larson says, you know what, I'm done with this. I'm going to concentrate on school or something like that. And so I bet you there are a couple other kids who are like that, especially they saw Riley kind of like go crazy. And he's like, if, you know, you lose this game, no one makes a team next year. And it's like, okay, well, I don't want to play for this guy anymore anyway. So I'm going to go play for the Cardinals and have some fun. So I think, you know, this is this might be the end of the Hawks dynasty. I, I was going to say, I wonder if uh, if McGill, you know, uh, or if Larson, rather, um, you know, tried to go be a duck or, you know. And, and a lot of that obviously depends on where his parents live. So mm-hmm. it's not as easy as it sounds, you know, I'm going to go be a duck, you know. But um, 
Maybe they'll play baseball now. Yeah. Or maybe he or maybe he did try to convince his parents, you know, can we move here so I can go be a duck or whatever. Or maybe they, he, they just moved away, you know. Yeah, yeah. Just like, all right, we need to get the hell out of here. Go to, go to a better school system for high school. Because yeah. they're, like, get, approaching an age where they're going to have to start thinking about high school. and Bought a nice house on Lake Minnetonka. You know, nice. Something nice, like that. Nice pull there. <laughs> okay, so Larson's out. Does Riley follow through on his threat that nobody makes the team next year? He can't. Yeah. In order to field a competitive team. So, no. I agree. I think McGill's coming back. And the, But that's also assuming that he's still there. Yeah, we, oh, we talked about Larson squealing point. to the press about the hit that <laughs> Riley put out. That's, so. that's a great point. So, we mentioned that better team probably did not win the state championship. But you have, we don't know, a year or two years later, the core of that Ducks team becomes Team USA. How do the Hawks view this? I, I mean, I think they think it's a slap in the face, or at least the top guys do, you know, for not even getting an invite. But I can I can imagine, like, you know, 20 years down the road when these guys are, like, 30, you know, working in the steel mill, like, going out, I was like, man, how did we lose to them? And <laughs> it's just like, that should have been us. And even in uh, D2, in, the, in, like, the opening, like, park scene or whatever, where they're all skating to the park and... Goldberg stealing hot dogs, whatever he does. And I guess it was McGill and I guess a couple other teammates. And there's like, I can't believe, still can't believe they beat us last year. And so they seem like bitter and they want to play a prank on him. So I bet it definitely affected them. You know, they, they probably see them on TV and it's like, what the hell? We, we beat this team 17 nothing. And so they all quit hockey. Yeah. They're up lifetime against the Ducks. Okay. Yeah, that's probably what they tell everyone. <laughs> it's like like they're in college, they you know pick up line for girls like, you know, you know, uh, you saw, you know, that junior goodwill games team, right? It's like, Oh my god, did you play for them? It's like, No, but we beat them seventeen nothing. God, they probably got so much tail. <laughs> Definitely. So much like twelve year old tail. No, no this is when they're in college. Oh, okay. Mike. Alright. It's disgusting. Sorry. Apologize. I apologize for that. Well I kinda like spaced out for a second. I'm sorry. But, okay, so do anyone feel like they, like, could McGill have come on the, the Junior Goodwill Games team? Did he deserve it, and did Gordon just, like, not put him on the team? I don't like, well, I, I, I don't know if, uh, or maybe Tibbles just didn't look anywhere else, or look at any other kids from that area. Okay. So, you know, maybe, maybe. Because of quotas or maybe, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Chemistry would have been ruined yeah, in the team. That would have That's been tough. That's a great tough. point. All right. Now, because I'm really cool, I've got a pretty much a full roster of the Hawks. So, I just want to put this down for, like, posterity's sake. And maybe we can give some comments about your favorite non-McGill and Larson Ducks. Because I know you all have them. So, three is Brown. He's a very good player. He's at probably he probably steps in for Banks. Like the top line is Brown, McGill, and Larson, and Brown scores a couple goals, or he he's involved in a couple goals in that second game. Four is Preston, not really involved at all. Six, tough to see his last name. I think it's Z E R though. Zer 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 Zer. Yeah. Seven's McGill. Eight is King. Nine is Banks. Ten is Herrick. Director of the movie is Stephen Herrick. So, nice. That's a little Easter egg for you. Mm. 
11 is Fanger. 26 is Foot. 33 Larson. 35 is Wise. He's the goalie. W I S E. 44 is Morgan, who is basically the guy that ruins the Hawks' dynasty because he is involved in the play where Charlie gets the breakaway and gets hauled down. So, Morgan, if you're looking for a scapegoat, it's Morgan there. And then you have 60 Stickets of Stevens, 88 Rogers, 99 Strickler. Not very unique last names. They, uh, they got the Tom Dixon Harrys here. Okay. <laughs> I'm just going to throw that out there. I mean, you, they're living in Minnesota. You'd think there'd be some more, like, Scandinavian other than, like, Larson. And so, it's very interesting to me. I mean, it's not like they went with, like, Smith, Jones, and Johnson, though. It's true. But, I mean, Brown and Wise and King. All right. There's a Fanger and a Herrick. I almost Brown feel like Fanger is a nickname. It's like they put his nickname on the back of the shirt. <laughs> like, like the XML. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I'm a big fan of Fanger, though. Fanger? Okay. He doesn't really do much. But, okay. So, the Hawks, Jack Riley, we kind of established Jack Riley leaves, right? Yes. Okay. And a lot of the Hawks try to, like, disperse, maybe go back to where they originally lived. Is there a Hawks team? Is there an actual Hawks team that continues? Or is there just, like, a kind of new franchise that pops up after it? Wait, hang on. Were you... Are you insinuating that all the Hawks like lived in one house together? We have established that Riley does some good scouting. Well, yeah, but but he, I mean, there's like some shuffling of paperwork. It's not like they're living in an, in another yeah, place. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. Maybe they were living with like aunts and uncles to try to get around. That would be a whole a whole different movie if they were all just like hanging out in the same house together. Well, That'd I didn't I didn't imply they were all in the same house. They just moved into the Hawks area, maybe in different. You know how, how they just had that 30 for 30 about what happened to like the Soviet team after yeah. 1980? I think, uh, I'm pretty sure the next one ESPN is making is about what happened to the Hawks. Oh, yeah. I would watch the shit out of that. Yeah. We need like a catchy title for it, though. Yeah. Like, something about Blackhawks down or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little too, too serious. Yeah. But, okay. So, is there a Hawks team? Like, do the Hawks continue? With, I, like, I can imagine that. Assuming that Larson squeals and Riley's on, it's almost like they give the Hawks a death penalty. And so what they do is they like each of the other coaches are like swooping in to get their favorite Hawks, and they probably give them like a one-year waiver. You can play for this team, you know, this year, but like next year, if you still want to play, you have to be in like a, a new district. And so I think a lot of the, the players probably just like stop playing because you know it's it, it's tough for you know a family kind of just like uproot like that, but. You know, I, I can imagine like McGill, Larson, and Brown might be on the Flames next year. You know, mm-hmm. if Larson's still playing, and Fanger, Wise, and I don't know, um, Herrick are on the, the nice. Cardinals. <laughs> nice. Okay. Maybe they just rebrand the Hawks too. You know, maybe, yeah. Maybe they're the Rainbow Warriors next year or something like that. <laughs> oh, I like that. They, they do a haka or something before every game. <laughs> yeah. It'd be awesome. Okay, so we talked about you know these guys spreading out and Riley getting disciplined. Does McGill face any excess discipline besides just, like, the quote-unquote two minutes he got? He might be suspended for, like, the first couple of games. I really think that it's going to be totally shifted to the coach. It's going to be, hey, the kid was just following orders. Like, he's 12, if that. Yeah. 
he doesn't really know right from wrong. He knows that he has to win. And, like, there's probably all kinds of, like, they bring up the whole win at all costs thing. So McGill, I think, is not thrown on, like, he, nothing really happens to him. I'm yeah, thinking. I mean, it's it's tough. It'd be tough to be too hard on, like Tommy said, on a, on a 12-year, on a, you know, 11-year-old, whatever. So I think it falls on the coach, too. Okay. So he doesn't have, like, a if he has to go play next year, there's no reputation where the Flames would say, like, we don't want you. That was like dirty. We we don't like that on our team. Nah, I mean, I I think you know, coaches coaches at any level will take talent. You know, okay. yeah, and it would be a good like. Let's say he went to the Flames. It'd be like it'd be a good lesson. It's like oh, second chances, blah blah blah. We yeah. can learn from this. Okay, maybe he's on a short leash though. Yeah, I mean, the one thing is he did seem to enjoy hurting. <laughs> he, does, he does seem like a sinister little motherfucker. Yeah, <laughs> he did seem to enjoy it. He's like the kid with the magnifying glass. It's like burning the ants and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's the one thing that concerns me about McGill. Now, okay, so Larson, we're just saying Larson is gone from hockey. Yeah, I think he's done playing hockey. He's, he's like the reserve point guard on his basketball team now, and he's big into science. <laughs> 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 did not expect that out of Larson. So if if Larson was to see McGill or any other any of the other Hawks on the street, like would it be okay? Would there be like some words? Would there be some fists with the Hawks? Yeah. No, I don't no. think so. No. Okay. So Larson could still be friends with like Brown. Yeah. Yeah. They okay. probably go each other's houses, play Super Nintendo and stuff. Okay. Nice. What about him and McGill? I don't think they ever are friends again. I mean, yeah, kids I, are pretty. I mean, kids will forgive pretty much anything. I don't know. That seemed like a pretty a pretty rough way to. Because I mean, he came after one of his uh, his friends, his other best. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. oh, I that's a good point. So does Banks? Well, Banks is like knocked out at that point when Larson's like, "Oh, what did you do?" But does Banks thank Larson? Like, what's What's his kind of deal with Larson at that point? Because Larson is on the Hawks, and he was right there, and he... He probably f- finds out about it, maybe writes, like, a really touching letter to Larson. <laughs> okay. I think they're buddies. After they're buddies? Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they, they were probably getting pizza after the game anyway, so... Yeah. Okay. All right. Fair enough. No. Banks was milking that injury. <laughs> oh, really? You think <laughs> Banks was milking it? No. Just kidding. Shout uh, out, Banks. Shout out to Banks. Hearing our thoughts and prayers. Yeah. You want to be on the show? You know where to find us. com. Contact us. Anyway, Kevin. I have a suggestion for the 30 for 30 movie title. Okay. Hawk Bottom. Hawk Bottom. <laughs> All right. Not bad. Not bad. We can work on it. We're going to take some suggestions from the audience. So if you have a good 30 for 30 title for our upcoming documentary and the what happened to the Hawks, go to com. Contact us. Or just tweet us on Twitter. At Pod. That's what you do on Twitter. You tweet. And you can just put it in like a five-star review on iTunes, too. We'll see that, too. And remember, ducks fly together. Ducks fly together. Quack, quack.